Okay, so as advertised and promised, we're going to speak about discipline tonight in, in the sense of using the rod or whatever tool you use in the scripture. It's called the rod. Um, I want to lay the scriptural foundation first because in today's church world, not only in the secular world, but in the church world, there is um, a lot of wavering as far as this whole principle of, of disciplining children goes. And obviously in society, it's frowned on greatly. So we need to be sure of what the Lord actually says about it. And so I wanna just lay a, a foundation for that and you can look up these verses later. So let me just start out in First Kings chapter one. This um, is, the, is the story of Adonijah. And it says, now Adonijah, obviously a son of David, the son of Haggith, exalted himself saying, I will be king. So he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen with 50 men to run before him. And the very next verse, this is so telling. This is David. It says his father had never pained him. New American Standard said had never crossed him. The Hebrew means caused him pain. His father had never caused him pain at any time or asked him, why have you done this? And he was also a very handsome man and he was born after Absalom. So Two of David's sons rebelled against him, tried to take the kingdom from him. Absalom, most people know that story. Adonijah as well. And this, this time with Adonijah, it was foiled before David had to you know, leave Jerusalem like he did with Absalom. But it's at the beginning of telling this story, the Holy Spirit says, listen, this guy, this son rebelled against his father for his father had never disciplined him. So lack of discipline in our children, it says here, the Hebrew says pained them, caused him pain, which is disciplining. Um, it produces in children arrogance, rebellion, and pride. That's what Adonijah had. That's what Absalom had. And it's not a coincidence that Solomon, who observed all of this, wrote the Proverbs, and he talked about child discipline throughout it. That's not a coincidence. Solomon saw firsthand what it was like. I don't know, but maybe in his case, David didn't seem to be real good with, with the whole discipline thing, certainly not with Adonijah, not with Absalom, um, and in other cases as well. Maybe Bathsheba took the lead there, and she... Um, got some sense into Solomon because he seemed to be a little bit um, more even, although at the end of his life, as we know, he had some issues. So let me just lay the foundation here. There's basically, there's five passages in the book of Proverbs, verses or passages that, that deal with this directly. So I want you to get this. This is controversial in the church now, just because our culture doesn't like it. Not because it's a matter of interpretation. It's because the, the culture doesn't like it. And in the church, we've, we've talked to lots of parents who like, we, we, don't, we don't use the rod, we, don't, we won't discipline. Like, why, why not? And it's usually one of two answers because, because that's mean and that's not, no. The truth is it's mean to leave your children undisciplined because they'll grow up without self-control They'll grow up unable. Listen, how are your children going to hear the call to discipleship from Jesus who says, if you want to be my follower, you have to take up your cross every day and follow me. That's self-denial. You have to deny yourself to follow Jesus. It's not possible to follow Jesus without having enough self-control to deny yourself. He made that very plain. So we actually are cursing our children if we raise them with no self-control and, and if we don't help them too. So hear, hear, hear my heart. I, I mentioned this 
a lot of times just with the whole issue of, of discipline, not because it's the main core of how we raised our kids, but because it's an essential element that you cannot leave out. It's not the whole cake. It's, it's like sugar in a cake or whatever. It, you, it's not like you put the whole bag in there, but it has to be in there for it to be right. And for us to raise our children in a godly way, this has to be part of the mix. This isn't the whole mix. This isn't the dominant mix. This isn't the dominant color of, of, of child rearing in, in a godly way. But it is an important and essential part. And God makes that very clear. So Proverbs 13.24 says, He who withholds his rod hates his son. It doesn't say he who withholds his rod spoils his son. We've softened it. The church has softened that because it just, the crazy thing is, God says, if you don't discipline your child, you hate him. That's super powerful. Why? Because you're cursing him to be undisciplined. They won't be able to hold a job, won't be able to have a relationship, won't be able to keep a marriage together because they can't deny their flesh. So the war with the Christian is between the flesh and the spirit, right? We get that. I mean, we know we have warfare with the enemy. So what better way to bless our children than to teach them how to fight and overcome the flesh? That's what discipline is about, teaching them not to become a big ball of flesh that just does whatever they feel like their whole life. That person is cursed. We know people, we have friends that we've walked with for 20 plus years that were raised with no discipline. Have no discipline in eating, constantly sick in the hospital, no discipline, can't, couldn't keep a job, can't keep relationships together. See, to me, that is child abuse. That's child abuse. If you're raising a child to be a failure and to not have self-control, you're actually cursing your child. So that's why he says, he who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. There's a diligence. This is what you're gonna see in, in the whole issue of discipline. Here's the challenge, parents, can I just tell you? It's being diligent and it's being consistent with it. So hard to be consistent. You come home tired, feet are tired, put your feet up in the chair. And here comes your little man or your little woman, and you know you've told them not to do A, B, or C, and they have to put that little hairy toe over the line and go, what are you going to do about it? And you're like, oh, God, I just want to sit here in my chair for five minutes. But the call of parenting is to be diligent about it and to follow through. So here's... This is a huge part of discipline is actually make boundaries that are not so restrictive that nobody could live underneath that kind of pressure. Make boundaries that are reasonable, that are loving, that have good purpose to them. Think through them before you make the boundaries. But then once you make the boundaries, you have to enforce those boundaries. Or you're telling your children, it doesn't matter if you obey authority or not. Nothing will happen to you. Those kind of kids end up in prison. They end up shipwrecking their lives. I, I know you may think I'm overstating the case, but there are seeds that are sown when children are small that end up affecting their whole destiny. Okay, then Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18. If you have your Bible, or just, just write these down um, and look them up later. 19:18 says, discipline your son while there is hope, do not desire his death. You, you see how heavy weight he's, he's putting on this thing? If you, if you don't discipline them, you hate them. If you don't discipline you, them, you desire their death. <laughs> I don't know of any parent that would acknowledge that, you know, this, this would be a confrontational style, which I, I could do. Um, to, to, to somebody would tell me, I, you know, we don't spank our children. I, 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 why do you want them to die? Why do you hate them? Oh, we don't hate them. We love them. That's why we're doing No, no. God's perspective is if we don't build into them 
the character qualities that will make them able to be disciples of Jesus and be successful in their just the everyday relationships of life. It's not loving. Here's the point that in, in culture and a lot of church culture too, it's gotten into the, into the church in a large way. Um, the thinking is if you discipline your child, you're being mean to them. And the exact opposite is true. Now, we've said over and over again, in Bible discipline, anger should be completely divorced from that. As a parent, we have to be self-controlled ourselves. It's not anger. It's not disciplining out of anger. It's disciplining out of love. There, there really is truth of I love you too much. This, this is what I would tell my kids all the time. I love you too much to let the seeds of rebellion and destruction grow inside of your heart and soul. I'm seeing those seeds come up and those little plants are there. And what am I going to do? Just turn away and go, that's eh, not a big deal. Just let those seeds grow up. No, until they become massive plants that dominate your life. No, that's not loving you. And so I do love you. So let's pull these weeds out. Let's pull these seeds of rebellion out of your heart um, as soon as possible. Okay, that's Proverbs 19, 18. Then 22, 15 says this. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Here's an amazing truth. There's a connection between the heart of a child and the parent applying the rod to their bottom. God has made a divine connection between the stinging on the rear end and getting foolishness out of the heart. There's a divine connection there. Why is that? It's because God has given his authority to the parents to help train that child. And when you do it in the right way, again, it's not anger, it's out of love, it convicts them in their heart. Foolishness, the essence of foolishness in the Bible and in the book of Proverbs is rebellion. And so there's a connection between children getting consistent discipline and rebellion being extracted from their heart. God made that connection. It's a divine connection. All right, 23, 13 and 14, Proverbs 23, 13 and 14, says, do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. Okay. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and, his, and rescue his soul from Sheol. You, you see in every one of these passages, like there's a weighty consequence to not following God's instruction. It's not just like, well, your child could be... You know, they could move up to a 94 from a 92. It's not, it's not like that. There's a weighty consequence. There are eternal consequences to not obeying the Lord in this. Um, rescuing their soul from Sheol, from hell, uh, is, is, is a big deal. There's a spiritual connection. So, again, just making the connection to discipleship to Jesus. If we don't discipline our children, how in the world are we going to expect them to just follow and love Jesus and be his disciple. I mean, it, it would be helpful for every believer. Just take a, a list, uh, read through the Gospels, take a piece of paper and write down everything Jesus said about the qualifications for discipleship or for following him. You would be astounded at what those are. And so <laughs> it, it, takes, it takes the cross, it takes self-denial, and it takes the power of the Holy Spirit. So if our children never learn how to deny themselves and how to... Uh, repent and how to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit, they're not going to be able to be followers of Jesus. Um, so the consequences are huge. All right, then 29, Proverbs 29, verses 15 and 17. This is the last one. Verse 15 of Proverbs 29 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way 
brings shame upon his mother. And then verse 17, correct your son and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. You want to have a relationship with your child where they bring delight. And it's not just about us, obviously we know that, but it's about the relationship with the Lord. Um, and not bring shame. Um, discipline is essential. It's not optional. These five verses, passages that we just read, in addition to a whole lot of other weighty passages in the scripture, should tell us this is not somebody's good idea. This is not somebody's opinion. Um, this is God Almighty's command for how we're supposed to raise our children. So we have to decide if we're going to heed that and put weight on it as his command or if we're going to just go, you know what, we just have a better idea. We don't do that. We just give M&Ms and like Cheerios and that's what we do. Um, or time out. What's that? Or time out. A lot of people yeah, or like to do yeah, time out. Okay. So as the children get older, are there other ways? And I mean, there's other ways of discipline. I'm not saying, and we're not saying this is the only way to discipline. What we're saying is this is not optional from the Lord's standpoint. There are eternal consequences to, dis to disciplining or not disciplining. And if we want the Lord to extract foolishness from the hearts of our children, which is rebellion, then we have to follow the plan that he says this will do it. This is the remedy. This is the way that you get that foolishness out of the heart of a child. And every child, including all of us here, have foolishness and rebellion and self-will inside of us that will lead us away from the Lord and not to him. So um, just want to lay that foundation before we get into talking about this. Again, this isn't, we're not saying that this is the, the be-all, end-all of parenting is that, look, this is all about you always have a rod in your hand and you're ready to smack. It's not like that. Um, you have to win their heart. This is why we talked about the other things first. If you don't have your child's heart, then your discipline won't really be effective. You have to win their heart. They have to know that you love them. And discipline, honestly, spanking your child should be a loving affair at the end of the day. We're teaching them at least three essential things that they have to know in their life if they're going to follow Jesus. One is self-control. They have to be able to control themselves and stop their flesh from doing whatever they feel like doing. Like that is the path that leads to destruction. Secondly, they need to know how to repent when they're wrong before the Lord and before people. And thirdly, they need to keep their conscience clear. When, when a child rebels and disobeys, their conscience is guilty. And they, their conscience doesn't get clean by putting them in time out. Okay, I can tell you. Their conscience gets clean when their little hiney gets something that makes it sting and you are correcting them and helping them to repent because that hurt. No, I would tell our kids, it, doesn't, it don't pay to disobey. And rebellion, this is, this is the connection that, that they need to understand. When we disobey the authority that God's put in our life, it hurts us. It causes us pain. And we don't want to do that again. And so uh, we want to make that connection between ouch and rebellion because <laughs> it's destructive. And the, the discipline should be as soon as possible after they have disobeyed you. It shouldn't be hours later. There are times when maybe they need to calm down a little bit because you're gonna have like a little World War III on your hands if at that moment you try to discipline, they are so upset and you're so upset and they, you both need to calm down a little bit. So maybe, okay, we're gonna have to take 10 minutes, you're gonna sit on your bed, mommy or daddy, we're gonna go pray and we're gonna come right back. But as, as quickly as possible, the discipline should happen after they have disobeyed you. Right, and the goal is to restore the relationship that's been breached, right? right. If they've disobeyed you as their parents, then they have, in some sense, you know, severed, broken fellowship with you. It's and like they're outside of the family circle. When they've done that, 
they've broken fellowship with you. It's like you're all holding hands, but then they're like, no, I'm rebelling against that. And all the while, until they get that discipline and their hearts get clean, they're still outside of the family circle and they feel bad about it. They, their little heart is smiting them. They know they did wrong. Their conscience needs to be cleaned and they're very unhappy. The best thing you can do, the loving thing to do, is help them get their little conscience clean, bring them right back into fellowship. After we would discipline them, we'd hug them. We love you, you know that we love you. We will stand before the Lord for how we raise you and how we discipline you. You are very important to us, you are too important. Nothing is more important in our lives than raising you for Jesus and um, yeah, and then just, just hugging them and just really looking them in the eye. And you know that I, that I love you. And the Holy Spirit, you know, he breathes on their heart too and says, this is right. Your heart got clean. This is right. It blessed me. Shane was telling me the other day after um, she disciplined Ethan, he said, Mommy, thank you because I want to honor Jesus. He's three years old. How about it? Thank you, Mommy. I, he, he could feel it. The Holy Spirit was bearing witness. That's right. This is good. Your heart is clean. This is what the Lord likes. Yeah. So we're teaching them to keep a clean heart before the Lord and keep short accounts to learn how to repent. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And, how to be, and so at the end of the day, uh, or at the end of the experience of, of disciplining them, there should be that restoration of fellowship and for them to feel that they're embraced again, they're loved, uh, they're forgiven. Um, I think, you know, we, we would have them say, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, please forgive me for disobeying. And so that we could say, I forgive you. You're forgiven, you're, you're cleansed. And have them pray. A lot of times we have them pray to ask the Lord to forgive them for rebelling against him because he's the one that set parents as the authority. This is, this is a revelation in our culture today that God set parents as authority over the children in the home. <laughs> it's, it's a revelation. The culture, you know, is, uh, is all good with the children running the, the, the ship um, and running the, the thing, and God's not good with that, and it's not good for the children. So I can just tell you from experience the happiest the kids are always happy when their hearts are clean. A clean heart is a happy heart. I was just going to say about the repenting, we would tell them too, like if they, like Barry was saying, we would have them repent to us or to their sibling if it was one of their brothers or sisters, and then just also remind them too. Okay, so when you, whatever you do, to the least of these you do to Jesus so when the way we treat others is the way we're treating Jesus so you you know that's why we need to pray because you've offended the Lord in this it wasn't just against your brother or sister it was against Jesus and that yeah so t talk about the whole issue of disciplining before they aggravate you and agitate you and make you upset well it's if we wait until our kids are irritating us, embarrassing us, um, we want to pull our hair out because we've told them ten times. Like they've, you've, they've already gotten to the point where their flesh is growing and has dominance. If they are aggravating you to that point and so irritating to you, there's a flesh problem. And you know, everybody has flesh, right? But just think about it this way, when there's an issue that needs to be corrected, when there's an issue that needs to be disciplined, if you ignore it and you're hoping it's gonna go away or you're telling yourself it's really not a big deal, the flesh is growing. It's getting stronger. And the next time, it's gonna be a bigger fight. So much better to take care of things that are very small, really, you know, uh, insignificant seemingly, 
incidences. It's so much better to take care of them then. And just be so, I would just pray every day, like just Holy Spirit, you know their hearts. I don't know them. You know what I don't know. And help me to know their heart. Help me to know your heart and help me to know their heart. And being in tune with the Lord and with your children, that's why it takes so much discipline. It takes so much diligence to make raising your children the most important thing that you're doing in this time of your life. When he's giving you your children, that's what time it is. It's time to raise them for Jesus. And like Barry was saying the other week, once they grow and they get a crook in, the, in their trunk, those little trees of righteousness get a crooked bend in their trunk, you can't get it out. So we want to be watching, we want to be praying, we want to be looking, and then just take care of it right away so the flesh doesn't grow. So let's just talk about the diligence aspect of discipline. Um, part of this is, here's, here's red flag statements from parents. How many times do I have to tell you? And the child's thinking, I don't know, how many is it? Eight, <laughs> 10? Before you're actually gonna do anything? I mean, I know you've told me six times and you haven't done anything because I haven't listened to you, but the child's asking the same question. How many times do you have to tell me before I'm actually gonna get disciplined? And the correct answer should be, and so part of that with younger children especially is you have to get their attention. You, you, you guys know this, you have younger children. Look daddy in the eye. Listen to what I'm telling you. You may not do that. I don't want you to do that anymore. If you do that, what's gonna happen? <laughs> I'm gonna get a spanking. Yeah, do you wanna get a spanking? No. Well then don't do that, you obey. When you obey, you're blessed. And, and so then if you have that conversation one day, you know, you don't have to have that conversation every hour. They're pretty smart. You don't have to have that conversation every day. They know. They remember. They, they're very, very smart. And here's the deal with being diligent with parenting is, is that it's hard to be consistent. So here's what happens. How many times do I have to tell you? Or one, two, three. Three, don't make me get to four. <laughs> Why can't we settle that beforehand? Again, think about what you're asking and make sure that the boundaries make sense and are, you know, for their, for their benefit, obviously. But once you've set the boundary, then you need to enforce it as a parent. Otherwise, you're teaching them that they can flout authority until somebody gets to four or says it eight times and they're still going to be good. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I'll do it now. No, it's too late now. You've already, dis you've already disobeyed. And so um, the, the discipline and the diligence aspect for parents and the consistency is difficult, but it reaps mm -hmm. eternal benefits in their character if they learn how to respond and obey quickly. Um, and if you, if you bounce back and forth, like, okay, we're going to be really consistent now, and oh, and then you're back to counting again, they're going to get angry. Yeah. You're going to make your children angry. And that's going to cause, like, another host of problems. You, you really have to be consistent. Realize it's your number one enemy being um, to not be consistent, to not be focused, to not see eternity is at stake. Maybe your soul is totally good with the Lord, but you know what? Theirs isn't yet. Their soul is at stake from like from the scriptures that Barry read. Their soul is at stake. So many times just I was very nauseous with my pregnancies for like the first 12 weeks or whatever. And it was the hardest thing to make myself get up off the couch and go pick up the switch and go to the bathroom with that little one when I was just felt like I was going to vomit at any moment. But I'd hear the Holy Spirit say, you're going to save their soul from hell. Get up. Get up. And just so thankful. And most, 
probably in the younger years, probably, you know, everybody who's heard us talk about our family knows that Wesley and Landon needed the most. But a lot of that, I would say, would be with Landon in the younger years. And do you know, he wasn't too long ago, he said, I am so thankful that you, that you and Dad disciplined us. I am so thankful. <coughs> All of our kids have been thankful that they were disciplined. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they see the, the fruit that it reaps. And look, as they get older, they find out discipleship to Jesus is no joke either. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, he asks us to do things that hurt sometimes and that are difficult and that stretch us and that make our flesh cry. And in order to learn, I mean, they're learning, we're teaching them as parents how to obey authority of the Lord. And when the authority of Jesus' voice from his word in their heart by the Holy Spirit comes to them, they're already used to obeying and going, it's okay, it's okay, I've got to suck it up, this is hard. You know Jesus' answer to us when we say it's hard. He, he always says, it's okay, you're going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that, that's the Lord. He says, it's okay, you're gonna, I'll give you grace. It's okay that it's hard, though. Um, One thing we heard parents say and, um, is that discipline doesn't work. Discipline in my child doesn't work because I've tried it, and they didn't change. Well, there, were, there was a time with Wesley. I wasn't going to say his name. Okay. <laughs> Wesley. <laughs> oh. He's amazing. He's getting. He's going to be going to the Dominican this summer and uh, being part of a church plant. Do worship, Allison. Ooh. But um, praise you, Jesus. It was worth it. It was worth the struggle. But um, I, I really thought, you know, it's not working for him. So I mean, it, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. You know. And but anyway, I just thought, okay, I'm not going to discipline him anymore. I talked to Barry. I'm like, because, you know, you hear people sometimes that say, well, I wait and let the dad take care of it when he gets home. Well, I, I was thinking it would have to be that way because when I would discipline him, it was just very difficult. Like, he just got so angry. And I was just like, okay, fine. I'm not going to anymore. You're going to have to answer to dad when dad gets home. Well, what happened was the way he started to respond to me and the way he started to um, – his respect for me changed. It went down. Even though dad was taking care of it when dad got home, he didn't see me the same way anymore. He saw that he won. And he wasn't respecting me anymore. And I was praying one morning, lying in our kitchen, just crying out to the Lord, like, God, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. It didn't seem like the discipline was working. I wasn't I wasn't getting any results that way, Lord. And he said to me, he said, my word works. The problem's with you. He's getting angry, and so you're trying to discipline him, but you're doing it just as lightly as you think you need, as hard as you need to, but as lightly as you really need to at the same time because you don't want to make him more angry. I'm like, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I sat down with Wesley. I'm like, listen, we're changing the game plan. You know, Mommy, I, I am going to discipline you. And his respect level went all the way back up. So, and it wasn't long after that. Like, after that little, I mean, I don't know how old he was. We were trying to remember. He, he was probably close to 10. So you think at that point he doesn't really need any more anyway. But uh, he still needed some. But after that, it was basically over. Yeah. Yeah, so at what age, I guess, I mean, this is a question, how do you discipline when they're really young? Um, we touched on this, I think, last week, but when they're really young and you know that they understand what they're doing, then you discipline them in some way. You know, we would flick their little hand, you know, with JC would throw food off of his tray and look at you like, did you see what I just did? Watch this. And we're like, he knows what he's doing. And so we'd flick his hand and, you know, he'd do that and then you know stop him from doing that and then if if it persisted you know again you have to win there's you can't let them win the defiance 
issue. Um, they, they have to know who's in authority. This is, you know, what Diane was referring to as far as children becoming angry. If you draw boundaries and then you don't enforce those boundaries and they don't know where they're actually going to get disciplined because they don't know if they cross over at two feet they're going to get disciplined or four feet or six feet or one night yes and one night no, it makes them angry. They don't know what their boundaries are. They don't know what to expect. Children are always the happiest when they have clear boundaries and they know what if they stick their little toe over that line and they decide they're going to do that, they're going to get disciplined. They're the happiest in the world. I can tell you from experience, that's when they're happy. They know what their boundaries are. They know if they've chosen sin and rebellion, they're going to get disciplined. And actually in their heart, they're happy about that. They want to be disciplined and held to a standard and held to boundaries. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to, before it gets too much later, yeah, um, the story of Helen Keller to me was very, very striking. And my daughter Carissa actually did a speech on it, a dramatic speech. So we're going to show that to you in just a minute. But what is so amazing about this story, the life of Helen Keller, Everyone knows, right, she was blind and she was deaf. And she was growing up like a little animal. When she was seven years old, um, they had Miss um, Annie Sullivan come to live with them to help train and hopefully try to teach her. But even Annie was having a really hard time with her. She would throw her food. She would hit people. She'd lock people out of rooms. She was a little terror. If her will was crossed, you were going to pay. She she would get so violently angry whenever her will was crossed. So I think this is so, so powerful. Here comes Annie Sullivan, and we'll let the... Yeah, well, tell her what Annie said to the parents. So Annie said to her parents, she said, her greatest handicap is not that she's blind. Her greatest handicap is not that she cannot hear. Her greatest handicap is your love. You are so soft on her. You don't discipline her. You go easy on her. You feel sorry for her. Here, we're talking about a girl who was blind and deaf. If we should feel sorry for anybody, like, okay, we would make allowances. But she's saying, no, you're making these allowances and you're handicapping her worse than her blindness and her deafness. Helen Keller grew up after the influence and the discipline of Annie Sullivan. She grew up to go to college. She graduated from college and she spoke in other countries. She was an amazing woman and she wrote books. It's an incredible story, but it's also a testimony to discipline and how much we need it. So we're gonna ask them to go ahead and pull it up. I hope you guys enjoy it. We, like Helen, can be blind, deaf, and stubborn against God. 
way. But it is not just an if. And so keeping that in mind, I would like to invite you into standing forward as poet Andrew Murphy by William Gibson. Katie, I will not have it. Now, you did not see when that girl walked the front of tonight when she looked for heaven and was ruined. From the moment she stepped off the train, she's been nothing but a burden, an incompetent, impertinent, ineffectual. <clears throat> Miss Sullivan. Captain Heller. Jane said I had fondly booked her in the garden house and thought perhaps we should have a talk. Yes, well.
taking her to the pump in their car that Ruth Pitcher is in. All of our children can see and all of our children can hear. They have such an advantage. And how great an advantage we can give them if we will stay. It took two weeks for Annie to help Helen to take her from undisciplined child who is disrespectful and willful and defiant and rebellious and bring her into an obedient you know, frame of mind. And I pray that we can bless our children like that that they would see how beautiful it is to honor and love the Lord and live in that harmony, live, love to live in that good fellowship where their heart is clean and their conscience is, where their conscience is clean. Yeah, so that's a real extreme, obviously, exam example, but every child has that same kind of flesh that has to be trained. And the way that Annie trained Helen was to take her <laughs> and just focus on that listen sometimes there's stages in in the lives of of children i know this was our experience where basically the world has to stop and you just have to focus on doing what you have to do to help them to understand and you have to take whatever time is necessary you have to turn the focus of your life shut everything else down as much whatever you have to do there are critical times you, you as parents, we as parents have to take whatever time is necessary to train them, to help them, to have self-control, to be obedient, to learn the basics of uh, life and to overcome their flesh. We're, you're teaching them how, how blessed it is to learn how to say no to yourself and your flesh, right? I mean, this is at the heart of discipleship and so, for children, they learn this through us as parents and through our faithfulness to obeying the Lord by helping them to not let the flesh rule their life and do whatever they feel like doing at the moment. That is a huge blessing. So here's, here's the exhortation for, for disciplining. Um, I know, there's, you know there may be questions and you guys can certainly ask them as far as how you do it, how long, whatever, that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, we are responsible before the Lord to discipline our children rightly, righteously. So let me say again, anger should not be in the equation for you as a parent. I get we get irritated. We're human beings, right? But um, we have to be the ones that are in control and in charge. And we can't let our children push us over the edge, you know. <laughs> We had, a, we had a little child at our house the other day, and um, they, they took a little baby and started wailing on it, just beating on it with their hand. And we're like, where have they seen this modeled? And Diane's like, this is the way we always did with, with you know, our babies. No, we love the babies. We love the babies. But that child may have seen the anger modeled one of the biggest reasons, probably the number one reason that, that Christian parents today in the church and in culture at large reject 
um, using the switch is because they have experienced or they know somebody that's experienced being beaten with anger by a parent that's out of control. Um, that's not okay. We're training them to have self-control. If we don't have it, <laughs> we're not doing them any good. So what if you have a tendency towards anger? How, what should you do? Not discipline? No, we still have to discipline, but we need to go before the Lord and deal with our own issues. And when we make mistakes, what do we need to do to our kids? We need to repent to our kids and say, please forgive me, honey. I was angry. I shouldn't have raised my voice at you. I shouldn't have you know, done whatever. We're still reinforcing godliness to them, saying, I was wrong. Please forgive me. That raises their level of respect. And one way that we can exasperate children is by disrespecting them, um, by wailing on them. You know, they know when we're out of control. And so uh, discipline, here's, here's the essence of the scripture on discipline. It's not optional in God's economy. It has eternal <laughs> consequences and ramifications. And so um, <laughs> for parents to say to me, it just doesn't work. I say, okay, well, let's just pray right now and just tell the Lord, God, your word does not work. Let's just pray right now together. Just pray, this, pray it with me. God, your word's not true. It doesn't work. Nobody wants to pray that because it's so clear in Scripture. God knows what he's doing. His goal at the end of the day is to bless the children, right? Just like he told the children of Israel, when you go into the land, be careful to obey everything that I've told you so that I can bless you in the promised land. This is what we want for our kids, right? We want their lives to be blessed. And so they need to learn obedience and self-control. All right. Anybody have a question real quick about the whole issue of discipline and, and using the switch? the question so your oldest was raised in a situation where she saw a lot of violence yeah. and so you're wondering and you don't know exactly to what extent she might have been abused right. um, and so you're wondering if you should discipline her because mostly spanking have you ever tried to Sometimes it triggers something. Can you tell ahead of time that she's might get this might be a time when she's going to get triggered? Is it more emotionally unstable? Well, it may be a process, I think, in, in a case like that, but you, you know, explaining and obviously having a nurturing atmosphere that's, that's safe and just reinforcing that and then um, explaining them to the, the process. This is, you know, we love you and we want 
you know, you to be all that the Lord has made you to be and to be blessed in your life. And this is, um, you know, part of that process that we all have it, have to experience discipline. We all experience discipline. And so, um, you know, it's just huge to divorce anger from it, <laughs> you know, um, and, and to not let that be part of your disciplinary process, but it, for it to be loving. We, the reason we do this is because we love you and, and um, we, we want you to be blessed in your life and to have everything that the Lord has for you. So. Let me just say, she has come a long way. So yeah. You know, just, just thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe just to even have the discussion that this is very different than what you experienced. This is not, that's not loving. But this is loving to, to get a couple firm swats to help you turn away from being ugly, doing something wrong, training your flesh so that you can take up your cross when you get older and follow Jesus. This is important, um, but just I'm sure you've had that discussion with her. This is very different. This is not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you're, you know, again, the winning of the heart is, is for them to understand that you're all in with them, that you love them, which I know you guys are building that kind of atmosphere of, like you said, safety is just a big deal. Um, that's what wins their heart they know and perceive you don't have to necessarily always tell them although it's helpful as well to tell them that you love them and that they're precious to you but um, the way that you treat them and the way that you act it communicates to them and they when they feel safe in that then they you know they trust you they uh, they've been in abusive situations ab ab abuse is, is being in a situation where you're out of control and the other person's out of control as well. And so to, to create an atmosphere of safety and control and loving control, um, there is, you know, what's gonna, you know, gonna win their heart for you. And, uh, you, know, you know, maybe a little bit of a process just to walk out away from that and to help explain that to them. But, um, it definitely can be done. I, you know, the answer isn't to throw away the good, but it's to model the right way to do it and not, um, you know, so that you divorce it from, okay, that was wrong. Now, but this is not. This is right. This is for your good. Josiah and then for him and for that 
And so, you know, we've already taken some sugar out of their diet too. Like we, we are weaning them off things and they're learning to submit. So there is some good things going on there. But like when it comes to meals, it's kind of getting to the point where like they're dictating to me what they're going to eat every breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And when I say no, it's World War III. And, and I, so I am winning. There are things good, but it's just, I feel like this is coming to a head for me. And I don't, you know, do I just, everything's cold turkey. And I don't know how to, I, don't, I really just don't know what the next step is other than cold turkey them, spank them over food, don't spank them over food, put them in timeout, whip them with only with, you know, I just need some kind of like, where's some practicals that I can just get this train rolling on taking back you know, no, I'm going to tell you what you're going to eat. But at the same time, giving them liberty, like you said, like if they don't eat broccoli, they don't do broccoli. You know, like there's some things they can choose. So where's the balancing on? I wonder, should we dismiss? And then whoever wants to stay can stay. Yeah, it's, it is 10 after 8, so if you guys need to leave, you can. We'll, we'll go ahead and answer this question. and then. Um, but you're, you're certainly welcome to leave. Sorry for making it go over. But that's kind of normal. Well, that's, that's kind of hard. I mean, when you say World War III, I have no idea like what that really looks like. I have an idea, <laughs> but honey, I do not think you should be making three different meals. That is not acceptable. That's just not acceptable. Um, and one thing that we saw like to help, I mean, one way to, to bring in some discipline um, and it not be all about the switch was to say, well, we're gonna eat it again tomorrow. Like, and we're gonna eat it the next day. And if and then they throw a fit the next day and we will eat it again, now Thursday and Friday. We're gonna, no, you, I mean, it's hard. You gotta dig your heels in. Yeah, you definitely, I would say, you definitely need to win that. But your kids have come a long way. And I think in talking to them first and making sure like, Maybe you and Josiah pray and just, you know, wait till you feel like a definite, you know, witness from the Holy Spirit, like, okay, we're going to, and you're going to have to carve out some time. You can't have somewhere you got to go at one o'clock and then have this lunch issue um, or dinner issue or whatever, but just, yeah, make it, make it your focus and pray, get their heart. I think they'll get it. I mean, maybe one option to to put into the mix is to let them. You can choose, you know, one dinner this week, each of you guys, and then that's going to be your dinner. You choose. You choose Monday night. You choose Tuesday night, and we're going to do those things, obviously within reason. <laughs> and and then, but the rest of the nights, mommy and daddy are going to choose, and then you can go back to. No, your night is Tuesday. That's when you got to choose. So we had what you wanted on Tuesday. So basically it's communicating to them, we, we respect your desires, but you don't rule every single meal. And so it, give them an option and go, you know, which night do you, you can even say, which night do you want? You want Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Which night do you want? You're going to be able to pick what meal we eat that night. And then um, I think that that helps communicate to them, we, we respect your desires, but not every single meal so we all we all get to choose i mean that may be something to put in the mix there and then maybe as they get older then maybe you know then they learn that it's fine for mommy and daddy to to say what's for dinner mm-hmm. you know every night yeah. but sure be, yeah. that's a good way to wean them into it though to yeah. like give right. them a choice yeah yeah, good awesome. yeah. All, right. all right bless you guys, Thanks, guys.